Hey, listen, we have, uh, I want to take a moment real quick. We've, we've had a lot of people joining us online as of late, and we're super thankful for that. I wonder if we could, could we just welcome our friends and family who are watching online today, joining us for church? Glad that you're here. Definitely glad that you're here. Uh, hey, we are, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little sad if I'm being honest. We're wrapping up our deconstructionary uh, series today. I don't know, some of you are like, yes, I feel like we've been here for a while. I feel like this has kind of flown by in a lot of ways. Uh, just such a heavy topic in, in a lot of regards. But, you know, as we walk through these chapters and, and, and just kind of try to view what Jesus is teaching through a biblical lens, clearly, but also through the, the lens of, of deconstruction, boy, there's just so many heavy topics that we've walked through. Would you agree? And uh, it just really pushes the understanding for us to, to truly know why we believe what we believe. And, and I, I feel like I am on repeat in saying this, but I, I truly believe that it is more important for us now, right now, in this moment, to know why we believe what we believe. Do you know why you believe what you believe? Not just because your daddy told you or because your mama told you or you were raised in a church or you went to a Christian school, but but deep down, at a very real level, do you know why you believe what you believe? And, and I say that it's important because what you believe is currently being tested. I don't know if you know that or not. What you believe, what you think you believe, what you know you believe is currently being tested. It's being tested on a lot of fronts. Now, here's what's funny about that. It's always been being tested. Right? This world, as we've talked about in so, so many times, is broken. It's broken at, at the deepest level. Sin entered into the world, broke the good that God intended. And so everything that we get from this world is going to be just, just a, a, a brokenness. right? And so that is why we so desperately need to know Scripture, but also why we need to know why we believe what we believe. And today, this passage, Jesus is going to challenge us, I would say, on a very deep level. And it seems like a very simple passage. Look at this in verse 26. Jesus says this, right in verse 26, he says, but when the helper comes, we know that the helper is the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit upon ascension. He's gonna then send the Holy Spirit to fill us. We believe the Holy Spirit is God, equal to God, and, and fills every believer who follows after Christ. And what's interesting about this is, and we're going to get into this more in just a moment, but this is just a little bit of a precursor. Um, you, you don't get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. You don't get some of the Holy Spirit. There's no Holy Spirit hokey pokey. Uh, when you receive Jesus Christ, you get the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We believe that. We would agree with that. And so Jesus is saying that I'm going to send you, and he's going to testify to me. But you also need to testify to me equally. It's very important that we understand that moving forward. The helper is the Holy Spirit. Now, before we kind of jump into today, I was, I was thinking about this. Uh, just yesterday, I was watching uh, our family. Uh, my in-laws are in town, and we were watching uh, basketball. Uh, I love watching basketball. Not so much the pros, uh, but definitely college. Any NCAA fans? Yeah? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. So four of us really hitting our demographic. Um, <laughs> And it reminded me of when basketball was a big deal to me. And that was back in seventh grade. In seventh grade, seventh grade Travis, man, I was all about basketball. And my favorite basketball player of all time, can you take a guess? Craig Elo. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Mark Price, no. Michael Jordan, of course, the greatest basketball player of all time. Amen? Amen. 
How come I get a better amen for that than anything else we've said so far? I watched all of his tapes. I watched all of his VHS specials that he had. Like he's playing on a playground, he's dunking over people. And I was so excited in seventh grade to play ball. I'm, I'm telling you, I was excited. I was the kid who was waking up at like five in the morning on a Saturday before the first practice, lacing up my shoes, putting on my gym shorts, trying to squeeze into my jersey. And I couldn't wait because that Saturday, the first Saturday was, was basketball tryouts at, in junior high at Norway at Bobcat Elementary. That's what it was, right? And I, I couldn't wait. I went to the gym. My parents dropped me off. I was like 15 minutes early. One of the first people there, I saw the coach. I shook his hand. You know, I'm excited. And we go out on the floor because I knew this was important. It was a big deal. I had to run my sprints. I had to shoot some foul shots. I had to do, you know, I had to do a lot of things. And, um, and, and here was my problem. I was a little bit shorter and a little wider than uh, other, other people, but it wasn't going to stop me, you know. And... Uh, and we did everything. I made a couple of my shots. I, I ran. I wasn't first. I wasn't last. Um, and, and I remember then they divided up that day. They divided two teams. There was the A team and the B team. And, and I remember that they called out the A team first, right? They're like, uh, hey, if you've made the A team, you're going to be on this side. And they didn't really want to make it like A team is the better team and B team, you guys are bad. They didn't want to make it sound like that. So they just said, hey, we've got two different teams here. We have the A team and the B team. These are all people who are going to be playing basketball this year. And we're really excited about that. I remember they said that. And so as I sat and on the bench and just listening, you know, with eager anticipation for, my, for the coach to call my name for the A-team, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it, right? I didn't hear it. And, and, and in my mind, I'm still cycling through all the images from the video of Michael Jordan that I watched last night. And I'm like, do they not recognize my talent? Can they not see me, you know, being Michael Jordan? And they call the B-team and they go through the names. And, and my name is one of the last names they call on the B-team. And I remember thinking like, I'm on the B team. I didn't make the A team. I didn't make the good team. I didn't make the greatest team. I made the team of seventh graders that, that, that literally are having to sit the bench. You know what I mean? And, and I remember like, if you were at the top of the B team, sometimes you would get called up to play for the A team. Is this registering with anybody here today? Yeah. And, and so I thought maybe at least I was on the top of that list. But as it turned out, I wasn't even on the top of the B team list. I was on the bottom of the B team list. And so I made it my goal and my priority that year to work harder than anybody else, to be better than everybody else. So then in eighth grade, I would make the A team. Now you guys ready for a, a, an awesome story? The next year, I went out and tried harder. I made more shots. I ran faster. The coach called the A team names. And guess where my name was? Not on that list. B team. Once again, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I practiced, no matter how much better I fit into that snug jersey, my name was still on the B list. It just wasn't in me. I just couldn't make the A team. It's something I had to, to kind of grapple with. And you're like, Travis, what does this have to do with anything? Nothing. I really just needed to share this to get this off my chest because I was thinking about it yesterday. No, it has a lot to do with exactly what Jesus is speaking about. Because when it comes to Christianity, now listen now, when it comes to the living out and the walking out of our faith, I want you to know something right from the jump. And I want you to write this down. When it pertains to your faith, your walk with Christ, leadership, and the understanding of your faith, there is, listen now, there is no B team. 
There is absolutely no B team. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me be a little bit more specific. We have had this understanding, maybe culturally, maybe through society, uh, but specifically pertaining to religion and the religiosity of evangelicalism and even just churches in general, where we have developed this kind of understanding in church where there's an A team and the B team. And the A team shows up, and they're the counselors, and then the preachers, and they're the, the people you see on a stage who are leading worship, or, or maybe even in the A team, they're the people who lead the children's ministry, or, or high-level volunteers, you know what I mean? Where they're very dedicated, and they're not on staff, but we should probably pay them because they work really hard. And that's the A team. We see A-teams as, as the musical artists who are Christians, who are out producing worship music and writing wonderful songs. We see the A-team as the, uh, the, the people who go, the evangelists who go in and hold conferences and speak with incredible amount of eloquence and, and represent us even, even in, 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 in worldly matters from a Christian perspective. And we look up to them and we listen to them and we think, boy, boy, there's no way, even if I worked really hard, even if I studied really diligently, that I could ever be like that person. But I'm so thankful that they're there. They're just the A team and I must be the B team. My job as a B-team Christian is to show up. My job as a B-team Christian is to serve. My job as a B-team Christian is just to be at church and help those A-team players do everything that they need to be. My job is one of support. I need to be a supporting role because I'm not an A-team, I'm a B-team. What I do is not as important as what they do. In fact, I'm not even as important as they are. If anybody's gonna stand up for the cause of Christ, I want it to be that A-team individual. And what I want you to understand is that that is a lie from the pits of hell. There is no B team. You are all, we are all called equally to serve our Father. We are all called to lay our lives down sacrificially for our God. And even more specifically, we are all called equally, commanded to make disciples. See, what happens when we get to kind of delineate between A-team and B-team, we get to shrug off some responsibility. Well, that's an A-team job. That's a pastoral job. That's a worship guy's job. That's a fill-in-the-blank. That's not for me. I don't do that. They do that. They're paid to do that. They're a professional Christian, right? That's what they're called to do. That's what they're made to do. And I want you to understand that this is a Christian myth, And I've spoken on this before, but I think it bears repeating. There is no capital M or lowercase m when it comes to ministry. There is just an M, and we are all called to it. Sometimes we think, I'm not a capital M. I'm not the the, the A team. I'm a lowercase m. I'm not as important. Listen to me today from the jump. You are equally important in the mission of God, in in the saving of this world, through the unction and leading of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And can I just tell you, one of, the, one of the understandings we have comes from right from what Jesus says here. There is no different Holy Spirit that you have than me. Right? There's, my, my sons have, uh, have, have accepted Jesus, and uh, my son Noah accepted Christ at a, at a young age. He didn't receive Holy Spirit Jr. He didn't get Holy Spirit Light. He didn't get Holy Spirit Zero. You know what I mean? He got the full measure of the Holy Spirit in that moment. The same Holy Spirit that I have. The same Holy Spirit that you have. 
This is massively important to the mission. And this is massively important as to understanding why the mission has been stunted in our country and in our world. With the invention of social media and with the, with the boy, with the everything you want right now in your hand mentality, we're seeing more and more people who are more eloquent than us. We're seeing more and more people who are better looking than, than us, maybe. We're seeing more and more people who do a better job presenting God's word or they say it in such a way that tickles our ears and it's wonderful and it is wonderful but at the same time it makes us feel like, boy, I can't do it like that so why do I even try? I'm just gonna go to my job. I'm just gonna go to my cubicle. I'm just gonna go, you know, do Uber Eats. I'm gonna DoorDash. I'm just gonna go put in my hours as a nurse. Boy, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I'm just, I'm going through the routine of waking up and making breakfast and changing diapers and yelling at kids and getting them on the bus and then cleaning the house and doing this thing. I'm definitely on the B team. Do you see how we feed into that lie? Do you see how that lie can actually be very stunting to the growth of the kingdom of God? There is no B team. Look at this one more time in verse 26, if you could put that up for me. Look at this in verse 26. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Watch this in verse 27. And you also, let me hear you say you also. Now let me hear you say me as well. This is you. This is me. This is us. This is all of us. You also will bear witness, each one of us. Now, clearly, he is specifically talking to his disciples. That this, is, this is fully applicable to you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us are called, listen now, to bear witness of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is, I just want to keep repeating this, no B team. Look at these two passages. The first in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race. Okay, i got to be careful. This passage really, like, it psychs me up, literally. I know, I know you know, when you go to a Buckeyes game and they play, they play crazy music before the team comes out of the tunnel. This, to me, is that crazy music. This, to me, is that pump up. Watch what it says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Church, wake up. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. First off, why? Because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes, fulfills the law, fulfills the prophecy. He dies, in, uh, he, he, he issues a new covenant. One where now we're under grace, we're saved, we're forgiven. Should we follow Jesus? We're grafted into the tree through the Old Testament. You understand that. But once we could not know God, now because of Jesus and the gospel, we can. And this is what the author is saying. But also notice what he's saying. Throw that back up in that first passage if you could. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy 
nation. Now watch this, this letter in Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, chapter 4, verse 11. He says, and he gave, this being Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. These are not just individuals. These are positions. These have a functionality to them. And what is the functionality? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 13, until what, church? Until we, what's that word? All. all. Let's, just, let's just say that again. What's that word? All. That means all of us. Listen, do not blow me off until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I know that's a lot right there, but it basically means this. We are all accountable to carry out the mission of God. We are all accountable to grow in the mission of God. We are all accountable to to gain knowledge and understanding about God's will for our lives, each and every one of us. And if I could write it down in one just easy little phrase, it's this. Every believer is called. Every believer is called. Every single one of you. Every single one of us. I know I'm the one down front looking at you with the mic, with this big screen behind me. I understand that. But you are just as much called as I am. And I am just as much called as you. And the moment that you come to Jesus Christ, I don't care what age you are, whether you are young or old or really old. You are just as much called. You are now drafted into God's family, adopted into his family. And now your goal is to spread the gospel. Now your goal, your mission is to bring glory to God the Father. That is your equal calling with me. Now I know that I have, when we use this word, and we throw it around a lot. Well, he's called, he's called, he's called, he's called. Listen, you're called. You're called. And maybe you preach and maybe you don't. Maybe you sing and maybe you don't. Maybe you bake. Maybe you serve. Maybe you teach. Maybe you educate. Maybe you YouTube. I don't know. But in that, you are called. You are to leverage your life for the spread of the gospel. You are to leverage your actions, your job, your family for ministry, for the spreading of God's Gospel, I love this quote by Martin Luther, this reformer. He says this, our secular vocations are like masks God wears in caring for the world. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to, quote, give us this day our daily bread. And how does God answer that prayer? He does so, watch this now, by means of a farmer who planted and harvested the grain, the baker who makes the flour into bread, the cook who prepared our meal, And all these are in play when God answers our prayer for daily bread. As you work, you are being used by God in his original mission. Church, we have to understand this. As you work, you are being used by God in his original mission. Can you imagine if we were all pastors? Can you imagine if we were all worship leaders? That'd be pretty confusing. We might not have much of an impact on the world. This world needs you to fulfill the calling that God has placed in your life through the vocation that God has allowed you to serve in. We need doctors who are followers of Jesus Christ. 
We don't just need pastors. If anything, we might need a little less. We don't need more worship leaders. We need faithful dads and husbands and stay-at-home mothers. We need faithful teachers and educators. We need, we need faithful scientists who are followers of Jesus Christ. We need individuals who drive kids to school on buses. We need, we need you to start your own business for the cause of Jesus Christ and understand that you are just as called as the man who preaches God's word to you from a stage on a Sunday morning. God desires to use you right where you are. You are not second class. You are not a B team player. You are equally called for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us. These are not secondary callings. This is important. Why? Because every Christian has two major callings. Every single one of us. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. We have two major callings. Number one is the call to make disciples. This is a commission. This is a commandment that Jesus says and gives to us. He says, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. I know that we are very concerned with evangelism. We're very concerned with evangelism. We want to see people raise their hands. We want to share the gospel and get somebody to a point where they make a decision right now. Are you going to turn? Are you going to follow Jesus? But here's the deal. When we, when we start with evangelism, it very rarely leads to discipleship. But when we begin with discipleship, it, it will get to a place of evangelism. Every one of you can make disciples. I, I know sometimes we feel like we can't go and, and make disciples. Well, what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? What if, they, what if they ask me to turn to a passage in the Bible and I don't, I don't even know how to get there? I don't, where is that book? You know what I mean? We get freaked out. We get really scared. But here's part of discipleship. Just walking with someone through life. Allowing them to see what's different about you. You're going to walk through hard things. And you have people watching you. And they're watching you to see how you react. They're watching to see how you are different. How do you react when you have an issue at your job? See, see we think as Christians that we shouldn't have any problems. I've got to pretend that I'm fine. I've got to pretend everything's good. Everything's fine, everything's good, and people, are, people ask us all the time, how are you doing? I'm great, I'm really great, praise God, I got God, what else do I need? I'm doing good, and then we go home, and we're broken, and we're sad, and we're hurt, and we're scared, but we can't share it because we don't want people to know. Listen, how about we take the opposite approach? Share it, tell people, how are you doing? Man, I'm not good. I'm really concerned about my job. I'm not making much money. Inflation's going crazy. I don't know how I'm gonna pay for gas. My kids are driving me nuts. And then react appropriately. Then be consistent in your walk with Christ. That's when you follow up and say, but man, I'm praying about it. Man, I'm, I'm so thankful for my church family. I'm so thankful for my small group. They've come around me. They've, they've helped me walk through things. I've been consistent more this week in my prayer time, in my, in my devotions than I've been for a while. And God is encouraging me. And I'm having peace even though I'm in, in the middle of a storm. And your friends who are far from Christ, although they might not accept Jesus that day, they will look. And they will have to accept the fact that there's something different about you. See, part of my problem is I can't get a normal sit down at coffee with anybody. I can't. See, the moment that anybody finds out that I'm a pastor, it's kind of ruined. They're just waiting for me to ask the question. So, do you know Jesus? That's what happens every time. People, okay, I knew it was coming, right? But with you, that might not be the case. Why? Well, you're not a professional Christian. (laughs) You're not a pastor. 
The kingdom needs you. Listen, for those of you who are dentists, the kingdom needs you. For those of you who are teachers, the kingdom needs you. I was reminded of this just not, not too long ago when COVID restrictions were at an all-time high and we had some families who were in the hospital and uh, nobody could go see these people who were in the hospital. Couldn't get in. Couldn't get in at all. I tried to pull my pastor card, and I got in one time, but then I went the next time, and I got kicked out. I couldn't go, and I thought I was going to get arrested. It was a whole thing. But anyway, that's another illustration for another time. And I remember there was, there's a nurse there that I knew who knew Jesus, and in that moment, I was so thankful for her. Like, I can't get in there. The family can't get in there, but she's right in the middle of it. She's at an advantage for not having a pastoral status or a clergy status. See, God wants to use you right where he puts you intentionally. If she had a B-team mentality, she might not have been able to share her faith. She might not have been able to literally walk in there and be Jesus to the people that were hurting. Number one, each one of us have a call to make disciples. Number two, the call, we each share a call to use your vocation for the glory of God. Whatever you do, wherever you are doing it, use it to build glory. Use it. Use your vocation for the glory of God. I know for some of you, you're getting ready to go into college, and I have already this year had this conversation more than once. Should I do this? Should I do this? I just want God's will. Is this God's will? Is that God's will? And we stress out and we freak out. And I really think God's kind of like, hey, man, I don't care. I don't care. I kind of don't care what you do. Look, you want to drive a truck? Great. I don't care. You want to be a teacher? Great. I don't really care. I mean, I care, but I don't care. But whatever you do, do it for my glory. God speaking, not me. Whatever you do, whatever vocation you have, whatever, whatever work field you walk into, whatever industry you find yourself in, Use it for the glory of God. You say, what does that mean? Go back to point one. Use it to make disciples. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Listen, in your job, you should be the best worker there. You should be the hardest worker there. You should show up before everybody else. You should stay longer than everybody else. You should be more adapt to what's happening. You should be leading in your field. Why? Because we want to make more money? No, because you are representing Jesus Christ on this earth. If it is Christian, it should be better. It should be. For the longest time, I know I haven't talked about this for a long time, but I was reminded of it a while back when we turned on the radio and one of my kids said, oh, this is the Christian station. And you know what I'm talking about. Oh, this is the Christian station. Why? Because some of the songs, they're not as good. A lot of the art we produce, not as great. If it's Christian, it should be better. If you are a Christian in a certain vocational field, it should be better. Why? Because you are representing Jesus Christ. Now, let's keep going. Matthew chapter 6. Watch this. This is important. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added 
to you. You say, what does this have to do with this? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you know this passage, you know that Jesus begins a little bit of this passage by talking about anxiety. Don't be anxious about what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about what you're going to do. Don't be anxious, anxious. Do you know one of the reasons I think anxiety is, is running rampant through us? Because we're not spending our time seeking out the kingdom of God. We are spending our time trying to build our own kingdom. When you try to build your own kingdom, you're going to have anxiety. As a follower of Jesus, why? Because you're not supposed to be about your kingdom you are trying to build things out of brokenness you are trying to find hope in depravity guess what you will not find it there you will not find rest in this world peace in this world hope in this world justice in this world life in this world in fact this world will bring you nothing but heartache pain and hurt and so when you try to find good things here it will bring you anxiety Jesus says rather rather look at what he says in verse 33 Throw that back up for me real quick if you could. Seek first, let me hear you say first. First, first the kingdom of God. First, the kingdom of God. You are all called to not just build, but seek out the kingdom of God. Whatever you are good at, do it for the glory of God and do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. Do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. This might mean you not living in the most comfortable place. Maybe you need to take what you know and go somewhere for the mission of God. Maybe you're great at something. Don't just hold it back. Leave. Get out of here. Go somewhere else. Go to an area that needs what God has given to you. Go to a place that desperately needs what you're good at and then do it there as good as you can do it for the glory of God, strategically for the mission of God. We are each, all of us, called. We're called to make disciples, but we're called to be everyday missionaries. This is so powerful. Why does this matter? And I'll tell you, 1 Peter chapter 2, watch this now. 1 Peter chapter 2, watch this now. This is going to hone in. We're going to end on this in just a moment. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And my friends, this is why it's important to understand doctrine. Doctrine matters. What we think about scripture matters. Our biblical worldview matters. And it matters that you know why you believe what you believe. Doctrine helps us chart essential Christian pillars that are foundational to a biblical worldview. The doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of the Trinity. You need, listen now, you need to know this stuff. It's not enough that I know this stuff. It's not enough that Pastor David knows this stuff. You need to know this. Well, I'm not a pastor. It doesn't matter. You are equally called. You need to know why you believe what you believe. And your kids need to know why you believe what you believe. And they need to know why they believe what they believe. And they need to be able to verbalize why they believe what they believe. And as it pertains to this passage, it's very important that we understand the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. We're gonna throw that up and you can write that down. I know it's a mouthful. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. And it means simply this, all believers share priestly status. All of us. It's just what I've been talking about the whole time. 
We're all equally called. Each one of us. There is no special class of Christian. Please hear me. This will wreck a lot of religious structures today. There is no special class of Christian. Each one of us share it. There's no special class who mediates the knowledge, presence, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ to the rest of us. Let me just say that again. There is no special class of believer who has the singular privilege of disseminating knowledge and offering forgiveness of sins. That, my friend, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one who can offer forgiveness of sins. And guess what? Can I just tell you something? You don't have to come to me to get to Jesus. You don't have to come to me to talk to God. Now, I can inform you maybe on some tips and tricks, and maybe here's how you can do it. And have you considered this? And have you thought through this? And here's some scripture. But the fact of the matter is, if you got deserted on a desert island, you're okay. You don't need me. You don't need me to talk to God. You don't need me to forgive your sins. You don't need me to tell you what to do. You can go directly to the source, which is God's word. You have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that I do. There is no B team. There is no elite class of Christian. There is just the body of Christ. And we're each filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit, why is this important? Why do I finish with this? Well, I finish with this because this. The priesthood, the priesthood of all believers is devastating to deconstruction. It is devastating. Why do most people deconstruct from their faith? They've been burned by a Christian. They've been hurt by a pastor. They've been burned by a church. But when you as an individual can recognize that it was never about the person next to you. That your faith and your belief in Jesus Christ just can't be completely linked to a church or a teaching or a pastor or a song or a worship leader. Then it will free you from this understanding that your faith is hinged on how other Christian people treat you. I, as a, as a preacher, as a teacher in a church, I will be held accountable for how I have taught you, right? but each one of us are equally accountable for how we have taken God's word and fostered it in our own lives. Each one of us, please listen to me right now. Each and every one of us are held accountable for how we stewarded God's word. You will not be able to stand before God one day and say, well, my pastor never told me that. Well, I went to First Baptist over here. Well, I was a Lutheran. Well, I was a Catholic. That doesn't apply to me. No, it does. Each and every one of us, when we recognize Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, in that moment, we are filled completely with the Holy Spirit. We have the complete understanding of God's word. We are even better off than the disciples because we have the full canon of God's word, the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. We have the letters from Paul. We have it all right there. We have everything that we need to accomplish everything God has called us to do. Each and every one of us. And we sit around and we're like, the brokenness in the world and the war here and misinformation and what's happening and this person. And I get it. But here's the deal. Do something about it. What do I do? Go to church more? No. Be the church. 
what do I do? Go and be better at your job for the cause of Christ. Go make disciples. Go sit down and have coffee and talk about Jesus. Talk about how your family's different. Talk about how your mentality is different. Change, change how you look at the world. Stop thinking I just gotta get people to church and let's get the church out to people. Go to them, go to them. You are in a better position than I am to see that happen. People see me coming and they're like, oh, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Starbucks hates me. (laughs) Each and every one of you are called. Each and every one of us. If you could, I just want you to bow your heads for a moment. Let's close our eyes. We've got a couple seconds here. you to reflect on this truth. First, can I encourage you? You are chosen by God. Listen, you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. God has called you to great things. And I know some days it doesn't feel great. I know some days we feel like we are lost in the sea of just every single day is the sameness. God sees you and he knows you and he puts you right where you're supposed to be. Whether you're building houses or installing carpet, whether you're counseling students or you're flipping burgers, listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Make disciples. Be different for the cause of Christ. Represent our Savior well. Share your story. Be open about your practices and how you pray, what you do and what you don't do. It's how we make a difference. It's how we change the world. Through the living out, you're filled with the same spirit. Same spirit. God, would you empower us to be the men, to be the women, to be the students, to be the sons and the daughters, the mothers and the fathers, the grandparents that you've called us to be, the workers, the employers, the employees, the entrepreneurs, the stay-at-homers, the investors. May we build your kingdom. May you build your kingdom through us. In Jesus' name.